Hey, Sweat Sisters, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, which highlights women who are balancing demanding careers with a healthy lifestyle and hurtling over personal and professional obstacles. I'm your host, Aisha DeVore Branch, and each week I have a sister to sister chat with an inspiring go getter. And listeners learn how good things come to those who sweat. If this is your first time listening, what up? You could be anywhere in the world and you're here with me and I really appreciate that. If you love what you hear, take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you get updates every time we drop a new episode. If you got half a second, leave a rating, which will help other sweat sisters in need of some inspiration find our podcast. If you have a minute, please follow us across all social media platforms. We are at Pretty Girl Sweat on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and YouTube. Use the hashtag Pretty Girl Sweat when sharing this episode. And if you have five minutes, please leave a review and let us know how we're doing. You're listening to episode 14 of the Pretty Girl Sweat Show. And today I'm catching up with the affirmational trainer, Lita Lewis. The way Lewis sees it, fitness isn't about being skinny or curvy. It's about being the best version of yourself. That means standing by yourself through life's challenges just as much as it means celebrating your physical abilities. The motivational speaker and life coach is all about building strong minds and bodies while sharing her positive messaging via social media. Well, 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 we have one of my favorite people on Pretty Girl Sweat today, which is Lita Lewis. Welcome. To the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Oh, I mean, I've I run into you quite often, I feel like, throughout the years, but one place I see you all the time is on social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the airport, because I remember I think the last time we ran into each other, it was at baggage. Place, it sure right? was. It sure was. Right. And I mean, you travel a lot, so I mean it's inevitable. Some people somebody will meet you somewhere in the world at an airport. I'm sure you've bumped into a lot of people. Uh-huh before i uh, yeah true it's a great place to um bump into people especially those you haven't seen for a while it's kind of ironic how oh, that yeah happens. so has there other than myself has there been anyone that you've run into at the airport that you knew from social media oh gosh many but i think for the most part um when i travel and tour with like the fit expo there's a whole bunch of us coming in from different cities landing in at the same airport, depending on where, um, this expo is. So it's, it's kind of funny how, you know, you follow people that are somewhat perfect strangers, but because you're so familiar with their brand or their business or just their key messaging, you'll find each other walking off the plane and bumping into, into each other at the terminal or waiting for your bags. Um, and then you kind of connect and meet like you've been friends for years. So, I mean, I could list a whole bunch of people to be completely honest with you. One of my favorites to bump into is my dear friend, Marcy Arias and her husband, Stefan <laughs> Williams. <laughs> um, the funny thing is we we're good friends. They live maybe 12 minutes from where I reside. Um, and yet months go by until we bump into each other at the airport headed <laughs> to the same event. So it's, it's kind of funny how that happens. That's actually pretty hilarious, but that's yeah. cool. Really cool. All right. So for anyone out there who doesn't know who Lita Lewis is, or if they've never pressed that follow button on Instagram at follow the Lita, um, I'm sure they're listening to your accent and they're like, where is this girl from? Give them a little yeah. bit of background on your nationality and your upbringing. 
Sure. Um, it's funny that you say that because I definitely have a raspy voice right now. I just came back from, from a food expo and I'm, I always typically lose my voice. So I have a Aussie, an Australian raspy accent at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> However, I did move to the United States in 07. So I've been here about 11 and a half years. Um, so my accent now is kind of from like the middle of the ocean as like my parents like to say, uh, I, I lived in Brooklyn for like 10 years before I moved to LA. And so, uh, even when I go back home to Australia, some people will ask me where I'm from because I don't typically sound like a real Aussie. Um, but I grew up in Sydney, Australia, so I definitely consider myself an Aussie. Well, you sound like one to me, so I don't know. <laughs> what these people here? Okay, so the right. difference between growing up in Australia, living in Brooklyn, and now residing in sunny California, what is that what, what has that transition right. been like for you throughout the years? Yeah, well, I mean, the differences are very vast, to be completely honest with you. I think if if anything, um l a and Sydney might have more sem- uh, similarities. But, um, you know, I moved to New York City when I was pretty young. I was I was 23 years old and very, very naive. So everything about that city grabbed my attention and held my attention. Even after 10 years, I found myself looking outside of, like, the, uh, the train and just admiring the beauty of New York City and pinching myself that I had been there so long and I could call it home. Um, I didn't leave New York because I hated it. Uh, I loved it so much. I just was really tired and exhausted um, about the winter times. I just, maybe being that I was raised Aussie, like I just, those winter times were really beautiful, me, brutal for me every single season. So I left because I was looking for essentially just a better quality of life. And so that's why LA has a, has a hard and strong hold over me now. But um, now that I live in LA, I definitely find myself missing and craving like the culture and diversity Mm -hmm. that um Brooklyn brought to me and brought to my life I definitely consider Brooklyn my second home because it's been where I've spent my entire Mm -hmm. well up to this date adult life um so it definitely is a second home but I'm really really enjoying living Mm -hmm. in as you say sunny California because LA has been good to me so you've been blessed enough to live in three areas of the world. Um, And you've done this at an age where you were, you know, exposed to healthy living. So maybe you can share with us, where are your favorite places to get fit in Australia versus New York versus Mm -hmm. LA? Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because when I left Australia at 23, age 23, I wasn't, you know, although living an active lifestyle was really important to me, I wasn't essentially deep in like the health and fitness space. Like I wasn't the type to want to go and do a class anywhere or take a boxing class um, or, or a Pilates class or a yoga class. I wasn't really in fitness on that capacity. I was just moving and being active and doing what I loved, which typically meant somewhere on the coast or by the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, along with just doing some strength training with my cousins who are like professional athletes, they play rugby. So as far as like the best places to work out from my perspective and my experience, I think um, working out on the beach has been one of my favorites. 
and can also be like a killer workout, especially if you're going to run in soft sand uh, as well as like run drills in sand because that's something that's always been important to me is to just to really move mm-hmm. and train um, for functional strength and endurance. Uh, so I would say that for Australia. Um, regarding New York, that is a good question. I think um, I think I, I've taken a Barry's boot camp in New York City, and it was a really amazing experience. The instructors there are insane, and, and I love it for that. Um, I've also taken a soul cycle class um, in New York City, and I, which I always enjoyed. However, now that I've moved to LA, I have not done neither um, boot camp or soul cycle class, which is pretty sad. But there are some phenomenal classes here that I do enjoy. Um, gosh, there's so many that I've experienced. I would probably say the most unique and something that I found surprisingly challenging was um, aqua yoga. So doing yoga on a paddle board in the middle of the ocean <laughs> um, is something very unique to a place like California, which is obviously sunshine all year round and right, right by the coast. So I would say that would probably be one of my favorites. Wow. How did your parents influence your, your healthy lifestyle? Or was it something that just came um, on your own? Um, I think I was always supported um, in anything athletic that I did. I think, you know, my parents would tell you that I was a super, super active kid and they could never keep me still for too long. And I was always that that infant or the toddler that would run away at any given chance. And so immediately my, my mom knew that she had to get me to some type of sport. So I've always been really involved in athletics um, and always supported in doing so. And, and quite frankly, I think, I think the real truth was for my parents to just ultimately get a break or at least have some type of avenue where I would just exhaust myself so I would sleep and sit still at night. Um, but I was always supported there. And then uh, track and field became a big part of my, uh, my, my childhood. And I ran competitively up until age 18. And, you know, my parents were the first um, to support that, um, to run me to all types of track meets throughout the country and uh, fly to wherever they needed to, send me to some of the best coaches that Australia had to offer. So I, I think ultimately I was always supported doing and performing in sports and, and something I never take for granted. Oh. Well, you speak of um, having the best coaches. Is there one in particular that really played a huge role in your life? Uh, there's two that come to mind that were pretty pivotal in, in me sort of advancing in track and field. Um, one was, um, a very, very out of the box, quirky, full of life coach that might've stood literally, she might have been five foot, mm-hmm. if not maybe four eleven. But um, her name was Liz Curran, and she took me under her wing when I was very young and saw my potential, um, probably at age seven or eight. Um, and I ran under her, was coached by her up until I was about 13 or 14. Um, and she was the first to really be like, this kid has talent. Here's what I'm going to do and how we're going to shape her. Um, and then, you know, in my early teens, I somewhat outgrew her training techniques and I knew that um, 
well, I guess my parents knew that I needed something a little bit, needed more guidance more from a technical perspective. And so there was another coach that we just called Big Bill. And we called him Big Bill because he was maybe 6'6 six, six in height and very, very lean, um, but was, was ultimately the coach that everybody went to in my particular um, area or where I grew up as far as speed um, and, and explosiveness sort of needed, needed for improvement. So my parents sent me to him and he took my whole game to a whole nother level. So they're the two coaches that come straight to mind. Okay. Well, I'm right now trying to look at the name of the college or the university that you went to. (laughs) And I'm like, am I going to say this wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to take a stab at it? No, I got to take a stab at it. So hold on. Let me see. Okay. It's University of Wollongong? Close. Very close. What is it? So, so it's pronounced Wollongong. Wollongong. Oh, Wollongong. Mm-hmm. okay. All right. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> just, just U-O-W. U-O-W. W. Got it. Very okay. simple. Mm-hmm. So I, the reason why I wanted to bring this up, because when we talk about coaches and sports, um, I'm dying to know if you continued uh, track in college. Yeah. Okay. So sadly, so sadly, uh, you know, sports and, and taking things to a whole other level outside of um, essentially elementary and high school uh, is a little different in Australia. So although here in the United States, I think it's, they're so privileged and so lucky to be able to pursue whatever sport that they excel in on a college level, um, I, I mean, provided that you're good enough to do that. In Australia, it becomes um, self-initiated. Like if you wanted to continue to run track um, at college, it's something that you do completely separate to your schooling. Mm-hmm. So you would either be a student, a full-time student that, you know, find yourself a coach that, um, supports yourself as an athlete in, in, in training financially, et cetera, et cetera. So at that time in my life, especially at 18, I had peaked and ran my very fastest time, I think at age 16, almost 17. Um, and after track meet after track meet in my final senior year of high school, I found myself completely burnt out and not, not, hit, not being able to budge through the plateau. So when it came to school, I found myself wanting just to focus purely on school um, because going to college kind of right out the gate out of high school was really kind of something I was doing for my parents and not really for myself. I wanted, I had great aspirations to travel the world um, with a backpack on my back and, and, and not go to college straight away. Um, I wanted to defer. So one, I was burnt out from track, um, which is very sad in hindsight. Now it's, I think the only one regret that I have as an adult is that I wish I sort of stuck it through because I was ranked like top three in my particular events in the country. But I think that everything works out the way it's supposed to. And after sort of racing through college and condensing my degree in three years, I, I, I pursued something else that I always wanted to do. And that was to travel the world. So to answer your question in short, no, sadly, I didn't continue on with my track career. Um, and like I said, it probably is like my one, if I had to pick a regret, that is my one and only regret. (laughs) Well, tell us about the biggest risk you've ever taken. Maybe there's a story about that risk and how it either, how it elevated or changed your career path. 
I think the biggest risk that I've ever taken um, kind of stands out as an obvious. I think I was 23 years old and I decided to move to the other side of the world by myself um, and move to a city uh, that's known to be like a monster, that being New York City. Um, I'd never been to New York before. I didn't know anybody in New York. I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't, I also didn't have a place to stay. Um, so I decided to take a one-way ticket with two suitcases, land at JFK and figure my life out from baggage claim, you know, and, and that I think in hindsight was probably stupid. Um, but I was a very tenacious kid with, you know, a backpack full of goals. Uh, and so I set out to really conquer and, um, you know, grace of God and, uh, you know, a little bit of work ethic, I was able to do so. And, and I've had no regrets about big rest about that at all. Cause it's really sort of led me to where I am today. Okay. We have to, you have to spill the tea here. So <laughs> that's definitely a huge risk. So anyone out there who, you know, they may not be coming all the way from Australia, but they may be moving from a small town, um, in the Midwest and wanting to come to New York. How in the world <laughs> did you figure out how to survive within even just the first month? Like what were some things or some advice you could give to anyone who wants to dare try that? Um, I, you know, that's, that's a loaded question. I think, you know, I could answer this from, you know, my 35 year old perspective now. And I could also put myself back in my, you know, 23 year old shoes. I think for the most part, I tell a lot of young people this, when you have an unwavering desire and passion to pursue something or earn something or achieve anything, and it is met with an unre- a relentless work ethic um, and good planning, it, it, it almost seems impossible not to succeed. So mm-hmm. I say that to say when I was 23, it might have se- seemed very unplanned, naive, and almost silly to think that I should move to the other side of the world without any family, friends, support, or, or even ha- having any idea of, of New York um, let alone like the climate, it, you know, even, even just temperature and the weather was a drastic change for me, let alone everything else that came with it. But with that said, although I didn't have all the say fundamentals of where I was going to live, where I was going to, you know, make friends or even find a job, I had this, like I said, unwavering desire to like make it work at whatever cost. Now, I also, before I moved from Australia to New York City, I did have a little savings. Um, I did know that although I didn't have a place to stay, that I was going to pay a hotel up front for a specific time. And I was going to give myself that amount of time to make something happen. Um, So I really put myself on a 21-day uh, challenge, if you will, because I only essentially had 21 days um, to make everything happen, and that's all I could afford at a hotel. Um, and sure enough, by day 19, you know, I had three job offers to choose from. I had mm-hmm. just signed uh, a lease somewhere to to live, and I was very lucky enough to have met a few friends along the way. So I got extremely blessed in a very short period of time. But I say blessed because, you know, I I do think that, you know, 
these types of things never happen on your own or by, uh, by simply wishing and hoping. I definitely believe that it was my sheer desire um, and work ethic that landed me three job offers and, you know, able to find a great apartment that I loved in Brooklyn and attracting really cool people into my life in a very short period of time that have become my friends even till this day. So moving with passion, moving with um, an authentic and genuine spirit is always going to attract what is needed in order to accomplish any goal. I'm inspired. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So tell us about that first job though, which, what was the job and what did you specifically yeah. do to get your foot in the door? Yeah. So it's funny. I chose, I chose this one particular job because I figured that it still allowed me to be creative. Now I got my BA in uh, finance and design. Um, and I would always consider myself a very creative thinker and doer. Um, so this particular job but its title, if I remember correctly, was like inside sales executive. But I worked for a company that licensed video footage. So something very similar to like a Getty Images. Mm-hmm. Like they have a library of photos from everywhere, everyone. And people would, you know, license photos to use for whatever. We had um, the company I worked for, sorry, had a library of video footage that people would license to, for instance, create commercials, um, put together indie films and everything under the gamut. Right. So mm-hmm. I worked in inside sales on smaller accounts. So, you know, you're very local TV, you know, TV commercials and, um, even like school projects that needed like a car, car explosion for something. And I was able to help the creatives kind of piece together what they needed based on the kind of content that I held. So that was the very first job. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was pretty cool. Huh? <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Yeah, bad. And then when did you transition into fitness? When did fitness become a full career for you? Yeah, from golly. So I think I worked corporate for, for four, five, five, six years. Um, I didn't end there uh, being, uh, you know, licensing video. I ended up working with somebody, uh, another company, uh, where basically my hours were insane. I think that there came a point in my life where I was like, I didn't move to New York, um, to work. I was consistently working and I wanted free time for myself. And so I decided that I, again, was burnt out by the New York city rat race. The only thing that brought me peace was, you know, self-care and doing things that I love for myself, part of which was kind of going in the gym and, you know, exercising beast mode. And I found great, I found great peace in doing that. And I decided amongst a lot of other things that were happening in my life that I wanted to find what I love, which I had, and somehow find a way to essentially make it a career. And I was super lucky that I was able to do so. Most people um, don't have the luxury of thinking that way or, or being able to find an avenue to, to make that happen. But very abruptly, I, I left a very stable, well-paying gig to essentially pursue what I love. Um, and it was you know a combination of just being burnt out and knowing that I wanted to give my life 
to a deeper and bigger purpose. Um, mm-hmm. So I jumped. I jumped out of the matrix and I landed myself in fitness. <laughs> yeah. And when do you when do you think the huge like turning point came for you like in fitness? Like you were doing it as a passion. You had no idea if it could really turn into a career, but then it did. Like when when did that happen? Yeah, I it happened when I was receiving like emails from women from literally all over the world. I mm-hmm. I think I've recanted this a few times where I once received an email from a, a mother from Texas. She was a single mom of three kids. And she said her very youngest, who I think might've been like seven or eight years old was a real avid uh, soccer player. Um, but she sadly went through divorce. She went through a depression. Um, she stopped cooking. She said her and her family started eating out, um, and not eating the right foods. Her youngest daughter took it the hardest, um, emotionally as well eating badly. She gained a lot of weight. And then one day she came to her mother and she said she no longer wanted to play soccer because she couldn't fit into her uniform and her teammates would make fun of her for being fat. And she said that she was emailing me this and she said, it was then I realized that my choices that I had made for my own self impacted my children in a very unhealthy and selfish way. And I said, enough is enough. So she said she was able to do that or recognize that by following me and and sort of reading these daily motivational pieces that clearly I was just sharing because, um, because they were helping me personally, but it wasn't until I was listening or reading or receiving rather real life stories from perfect strangers, um, that what I was sharing on social media were truly making an impact on other people's lives. And I found myself thinking, wow, that is, um, great influence. That is great power. And I want, it made me feel good and I wanted more of it. So I got addicted to, um, not just helping myself using health and fitness, um, also helping others. And and that's when things started to change. I, I was doing something that I love, but in realizing or receiving those types of emails, and that was one of just many stories. I realized that I was going to put purpose behind what I was doing and that's where things took a big turn for me. That's a beautiful story. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where do you find um, it easiest to reach people in that way? Like which platforms do you tend to have the strongest connections with people across the, the country or across the world for that matter? Yeah, I think um, I've always kind of lived pretty heavily on Instagram mm-hmm. Um I've always, I've always aspired to try to do more video or even start a, a, maybe a podcast or a YouTube channel. Cause I find myself having more messages to share than showing everybody how to do a proper squat over and over again. Although fitness is very much a part of my life. Um, I realize, especially now, um, at my age and where I am in my life personally, uh, I find myself more motivated to share more posit- positive affirmations that help people think about optimum health. And, and, and by optimum health, I mean, what is health and how do we define health in its totality? Now, a lot of the you know fitness industry focus on what they see in the mirror, our physical forms, our physical bodies. Um, but I feel like you know, I, I mean, I know plenty of healthy people, this idea of healthy and fitness and strong, and they look absolutely amazing, right? 
But I also know many also suffer from low self-esteem or um, are super insecure. But on the outside, someone would look at them and think that they are the epitome of of somebody strong and healthy, which I just don't define as that at all. I think a truly healthy person is somebody that is emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically healthy. And that means someone that is obviously giving much emphasis to self-care, really understanding that one's spirit needs to be nurtured and fed just just as the physical body is. So I'm using mainly Instagram in order to share those messages Um, and you know, my hope and prayer is that they still resonate with women or people in general that, that, uh, choose to follow me. Yeah. Well, we believe that, um, fitness plus friendship equals fun. So do you find it, um, do you have, do you have a core group of people that you work out with, whether it's, you know, friends, family, et cetera? Um, yeah, I, I've always actually come from a very self-motivated perspective when it comes to fitness, I could do anything and everything by myself. But I think I I really love now sharing like a challenge with friends and family. Um, I love to hike and being in LA helps me live that type of lifestyle where I can hike anytime, (laughs) any day, in any season of the year. Um, and, And they could be of all different fitness levels. And then I have friends that are like just pure beast mode and, and exceptional athletes that if I chose to work out with them, I know I'm in for a, for a treat. (laughs) Um, and and I have many of them, my own boyfriend who he's, you know, former athlete is really big in functional movement and functional training, um, is, is a speed demon. So I, I love training with him as far as hitting the track, running hills and that type of thing. But, um, I definitely prefer to move and encourage those around me that I love most and that being my family. So for a young girl out there who is struggling with even getting started with her healthy journey, what advice would you give to her? Hmm. Um, I think I always start with this. I start with self-love. I think if you're going to tackle any physical goal um, or have fitness goals, you could do so, but the best way to tackle anything is the idea of longevity. And I think when people can first like learn to really understand what self-love does for us from a real internal place, I think that it helps marinate an idea that grows, you know, basically plant seeds that encourage people to take on a healthier lifestyle versus tackle a specific goal for a specific time. Um, so my first thing is to, especially when it comes to a first client or even a young, a young, a young person, a young, a young girl looking to tackle goals or, or increase her health and fitness is to first start with a reason why, and why always is partnered with self-love and those that luck, luck, sorry, lack self-love typically find it most challenging. So I'd spend time in pulling out and discovering what it is that you love about yourself because a lot of change is motivated by something that you hate about yourself. And I never find that anything from hate ever resonates, ever withstands or goes the distance. But when we find reasons to love about ourselves, that tackling our goals make it that much easier. 
I couldn't agree with you more. And as I listen to you talk, you must start a podcast. <laughs> like <laughs> this has to happen. I mean, no, seriously, because not only is your voice unique, but your voice is very comforting. Oh, really? It is. It is. It really is. So I'm putting it out there. I'm saying, hey guys, we need to sign a petition. That's Let's hilarious. get Lita to start <laughs> a podcast so we can listen to you. That is <laughs> Drop so all these gems. I'm just saying, you need to do it. I'm putting it out there. Um, I appreciate okay. you. You're very welcome. So although I could listen to your voice all day, I'm going to hit you with a few rapid fire questions so we can get to know um, a lot about you in a short amount of time. So okay. um, the first thing I want to know is what is one thing that you do in the morning that sets you up for a successful day? I take all but two to five minutes to just be still and sit in gratitude and thank the Lord that I am going to have an amazing day before I have it. Okay. What's one way that you end your night? Ooh, um, at least three days out of the week, I will light a candle and meditate. Again, it could be as short as five to 10 minutes. Um, otherwise it usually typically ends with a, a kiss with my boyfriend and then we go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So, um, which apps, uh, tools or websites do you use to manage your busy life? Oh my gosh. I love Headspace. It's a meditative tool. Um, uh, an app that I love. Um, Ooh, I, gosh, I really stick away from anything that is sort of gossip related. Um, I, I like to read more than anything. I don't know if it's like tech. I'm kind of old school like that. So um, I refer to books that I sort of love and live by. Um, But I I, I suppose if there was an app out there, I'd definitely say Headspace. Okay. Well, let's uh, transition to books. What are your favorite books? Ooh, The Four Agreements has been something that has been a key staple to just my personal mantra and something I live by. Um, I also read a book called The Purpose Driven Life, um, and this was right before I moved to the United States on my on my own, and I found that it gave me the tools to not only find my confidence, but allow kind of my life to live out exactly how it's supposed to and be confident in it, it basically revealing itself to me. Um, and I'd say last but not least... And there's so many, but these are just ones popping into my head as I speak. Um, Oprah Winfrey, she wrote a book called What I Know For Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are so many golden nuggets in that book that I I find I could go back and read it over and over and over again and find something new. Yeah, those are all great. I have them all in my library. Really? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so exercise habits. How often do you work out a week? Good question. It used to be like literally six or seven days. I think that if I work out three to four days, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And favorite workouts, what do you do the most? Oh, my favorite workouts have not changed. My favorite workout in general is to train lower half. I love training my legs. Um, Some of my favorite leg exercises, uh, key staple movements in building strong legs, and that is um, walking lunges with dumbbells. I love um, a heavy deadlift, barbell squats, and leg extensions. Okay. And what's always in your gym bag? Um, Hand sanitizer. 
Okay. Um, I have, I live by these Kleenex wet wipes that are germ, that you kill germs also. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little bit of a germ folk. Um, my lift sports gear, working out, working gloves or just gloves, training gloves rather. Um, and a huge bottle of water. Okay. What are some songs on your workout playlist? I am always motivated by Kanye West's Fade. Oh, and not necessarily by the song, but if I could watch that video of Tiana Taylor move, <laughs> it gets me going every time. And I'm a completely straight woman. Like that <laughs> is key. Um, I love that song. I think I'm a like nineties hip hop R and B girl. So geez, it's endless. I put like Pandora or Spotify on and it's just like nineties and the two thousands hip hop. And I'm set. Mm. Okay, what do you eat right before a workout? Mm, I don't like to eat anything really heavy before a workout, but I most certainly will take a a protein shake. So I will drink um, a plant-based protein before a workout. And what about after? Same thing, depending on what time. um, If I'm training late evening, I will probably finish with a protein drink. If I'm training um, in the afternoon and eat lunch, I will eat a high-protein diet, partner with vegetables, very low carbs, if any. Okay. Well, I have the pleasure of speaking with a lot of um, college students. And one issue that they always tell me they have on campus with staying healthy is eating healthy on a budget because they don't have many options. Sure. So what advice would you give to them on how they can still eat healthy in college? Yeah. I mean, when I was in college, everything was an eat out. Like I was eating out as probably as... um, more often than I should have. Um, so, and I hate to say this cause I don't particularly love to do this, but the answer is meal prep, mm-hmm. buying food in bulk, uh, and maybe not even necessarily cooking it all on a Sunday ready for the whole week because by Thursday, Friday, you're not really keen on eating something, you know, near stale or cold or whatnot, but buying in bulk is key. Um, and prepping food that is easy. So you're never discouraged to cook it or prep it is also important. So I think if uh, you're a college student and and money is tight, buy in bulk and this what Costco and all these other uh, key grocery stores where you can do so on a budget um, and be smart. A freezer is your friend. It is. It is. And what's something that you eat on a cheat day that you could care less how many calories are in it? You're like, I think, Oh, that could be so many things. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm a sweet tooth kind of girl on a good day. So I think ice cream is my ultimate. However, I'm kind of dairy free for the most part. So um, I love me a great creamy cashew milk based ice cream. But the savory, I can never deny um, good old fashioned pizza or Mm. burger and fries. I I, I can't. That's that's key. Okay. So you're about to go on a trip and your luggage is packed. You get to the airport. You realize you left this one beauty product and it makes you have to go all the way back home. What is that product? Oh God, that's a good question. Cause I really couldn't care less about beauty. <laughs> um, you know what? I, my mother raised me to be very conscious about skincare as far as um, SPF and looking after my skin, protecting my skin from the sun. So I think, um, what would encourage me to turn back would be my 50 or 75 SPF sunscreen. 
Okay. And since pretty girls sweat, what's your favorite brand of deodorant? Oh, my mother would be so disappointed because she's tried to get me on this organic thing. Um, but I'm a sweater and I sweat multiple times a day and I find it just, it's just not cute. So <laughs> I'm yet to find a good one. So if you can recommend me, I'd be happy. But I think I'm a big fan of, I think it's Lady Stick and I'm not sure what brand. Okay. It's called Lady Stick. It's a purple, I mean, uh, I don't even I, know. For those out there that know Lady Stick, you'll know it's the one that gives you like no, like white marks on your Ooh. skin and on your clothes. I'm going to check that one out. I use yeah. Dove. I use Dev all the time. Oh, but yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm looking to Lady Stick, though, because I'm all about the no residue. So, yeah. Thank yeah. you for that tip. Thank you. And then, no <laughs> since we're on the subject of Pretty Girl Sweat, what do those three words, when combined together, mean to you? Pretty Girl Sweat. Well, I think literally everybody is pretty. I've always said that everybody is beautiful in their own way. So um, pretty, um, to me, in totality, means everybody. Um, girls... I am sorry. It is pretty girl sweat, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I think. Wait a minute. Am I giving you something completely different? Um, <laughs> so, pretty girl sweat basically to me means that as women, as girls, as young adults, um, we can all be active and honor our health um, in a way that makes it cool, that makes it exciting, that makes it about bonds and friendships. Um, and not something that is seen like a chore or seen like something that a must do, but something that we want to do. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you. You nailed it. You nailed it. And so I know one thing that's next for you, which is pretty girl sweat fest. We cannot wait for you to come. I am truly looking forward to this. It's going to be so exciting. And we are truly honored to, um, celebrate you. So what are you looking forward to most? It's always easy. When it ever comes to an event, I'm just really looking forward just to meeting and seeing like a a bunch of women that I see as just a reflection of myself. Women inspired by fitness, um, inspired by encouraging one another, um, and just a unity and love that I think is universal, just condensed in 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 a group or an event. I cannot be a way to be a part of that. Well, we can't wait to have you be a part of it. And one last important thing you want to share with our audience. You have the floor. Ooh, I like, listen, I always like to encourage people, um, especially young women, to continue to move forward from a very genuine place. Um, In this day and age, I think everybody's aspiring and inspiring to be someone else or look like someone else. And I am always quick to tell women, young women especially, that you are worthy, that you are loved, and you are perfect being exactly who you are. And when it comes to health and fitness, we just use this as a tool in order to become better versions of ourselves. So if that's a key message um, that is important to me that I love to share with others, and that's, that's what I'd leave with them. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was definitely a treat. Love speaking Thank with you. you. And we can't Thank wait. Thank you to- so much. You're welcome. Now get to your 510. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. We'll talk soon and I'll send you um, a follow up on this interview. I- I'll need pictures and stuff, but I'll just shoot you an email to tell you what I need. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye bye. And that's Lita. Be sure to follow the Self Love Ambassador on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Follow the Lita and check out her website. LitaLewis.com 
Join us on Saturday, September 15th for the second annual Pretty Girl Sweat Fest Atlanta. Grab your squad for the ultimate Sweat Sisterhood Fitness Festival with 700 women, seven fun workouts, seven Sweat Liberty honorees, seven incredible captains, and so much more. With heart-pumping workouts coupled with the dopest female DJs, you get a first-class ticket to your favorite fitness trends and hit songs. When you're not sweating it out, you can refresh and refuel at our hydration stations, savor garden filled with deliciously healthy food trucks, beauty bar, and complimentary swag. Just one more thing before you take off. Do you want to get a short email from Pretty Girl Sweat every Monday and Friday that serves as a daily dose of all things inspiring and allows you priority access to our upcoming events? Just go to prettygirlsweat.com. That's Pretty Girls with an S, sweat.com. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. And if you sign up, you'll soon discover that there's no hood like sisterhood. Until next time, always remember that good things come to those who sweat.